Hello, I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Bonavis Hicks. And Father, today I'm going to ask one of these questions that is probably beyond my ability to understand. I just want to start that off up front um, as far as, as, as what I'm going to ask here. In fact, it actually was hit upon in the gospel um, before we're recording this. So so in, in the first reading, I said the gospel, but it was in the first reading uh, of Mass on Sunday from Isaiah when basically it boiled down to, it says, you're not supposed to understand the way that God thinks. And that was my key takeaway from that. And in a broader sense, what my question for you is, is knowing everything from my side of the fence as a person, if you could avoid this, why would you deal with it? That's my fundamental question that I ask. Um, and I get that, that that's why I start with the preface, that, that but we're never going to really be able to understand God and his thinking. But if at the end of the day, you didn't have to become a person, let alone go through everything that Jesus went through, why even sign up for it in the first place knowing knowing all of this? It just seems like there's so much messiness and... Ah, I guess that's, I guess that that sound summarizes everything that goes on with people. Why bother? I guess that's my fundamental question. I I get that it might be a little out there, but it's something that's been I've been asking myself for a while, and it's just I don't have an answer to it. Well, uh, it's a, it's a, you're you're uh, asking the question: Why would God bother? Yes, essentially to put Himself through all of this when mm-hmm. it's such a train wreck. Um, it's it's a really important question, actually. It's it's great that you ask it, and I love the you know you you ask that with such a uh, uh, what do I want to say? I mean, from from such a sincere and and uh, and and pure heart, you know, it's like you're really thinking about this. And the reason it seems crazy to us is because we want to apply our logic to God, and it runs into his logic, which is very different from our logic. So it's very much the point of that first reading that you were uh, pointing to from the prophet Isaiah, that his logic is different than our logic. So our logic, our idea of, um, you know, if I had divine power, how would I use that? That's kind of your thought process, your starting point. What would I do with divine power? Well, I would arrange a perfect world. I would arrange things that like everything, the trains always run on time and everybody always does the right thing and everything works out perfectly. And um, because we, we have this idea that, you know, a kind of plastic perfectionism or a kind of control or um, something like that, because we're trying to maximize uh, predictability. We're trying to maximize control. We're trying to maximize, um, I don't know, some, something that's, uh, that's ordered and logical in that way. And God is trying to maximize love. So it's the fundamental problem when you make your maximization point love is that then you have to make all of that other stuff secondary to love. And so we like order. It's not that God doesn't like order. And God likes for the trains to run on time. It's not that he doesn't, but he likes love more <laughs> and he mm-hmm. wants love more. And so what that does when you maximize love is it, it starts to flip some things. First of all, power becomes an opportunity for love. And how does power turn into love? Uh, through vulnerability. 
the one who is powerful can be in the service of the one who is weak by emptying his power and building up the one who is weak. And that's how power comes into the service of love. Because again, the power is not the thing to be maximized. It's the love is the thing to be maximized. So to put power in the service of love is to take a path of vulnerability. And if we really want love in return, if we want more love, the only way to have for God to have more love is to create creatures who can love. <laughs> and because he already has, you know, he can sort of whatever, he has his own infinite love, but to have more love then you need like more free will. Because if it's that there's no free will, it's not love. And so by creating creatures with free will, then you open to the possibility that they'll use it. <laughs> and they'll mm -hmm. use it for love. Um, but they may also not use it for love. And as soon as that enters in, then, you know, and, and the creatures kind of, they start to maximize something else, which is like personal gain, comfort, control, security, uh, you know, uh, yeah, some, some of these other uh, qualities. And they put those above love. And so they take back some of their freedom to maximize some of those other things. And now you've just introduced all of the mess. Mm -hmm. And so then how does God, uh, kind of win back? How does he turn the, the the scales again? Well, he pours more of his power into love by becoming more vulnerable, even taking our flesh, even making himself subject to all of our enemies, sin and death, making himself subject to suffering and rejection and betrayal in our skin, in our flesh. And so rather than destroying, using his power to uh, minimize, it would, it would be to maximize order and, and cleanness uh, as opposed to messiness. Instead, he pours out even more power into even greater vulnerability, which opens up to potentially even more messiness, namely the messiness of the cross. So, mm -hmm. so the whole crux of the thing is because of what's being maximized, because we're maximizing love rather than maximizing some of the other qualities that you and I are inclined to maximize in our limitations and fears and weaknesses and whatever else, we would rather things be orderly and predictable, especially if we're on the winning end of that. You and I are fairly, you know, capable, organized people who can manage schedules that are predictable and can be productive and, you know, well, more or less, but more than the average person. And so that feels comfortable for us. We'd rather have a world that's more like the things that serve us. Mm -hmm. God creates a world that's more like the things that serve empowerment and freedom and love because he's always trying to maximize love. And so it just turns a lot of things on their heads that, uh, that, that takes us a little bit by surprise, but, but that's also the, the beauty. That's the amazing, uh, thing with divine power is that he can really allow that freedom and yet never, never give up, uh, his his goal uh, never never lose the ultimate mission, uh, never be defeated by by sin and death in that process, and always find a way to pres preserve our freedom and work us towards the maximization point of love. At the same time, it's it's pretty amazing. And, and certainly a, a lot going on there, and it, it comes to a conclusion that it could only be that way. Um, as you were saying that there is because I was going through all of the, the examples you started with there. You want to maximize this, want to maximize this as people. It's what we do. 
but God already is the maximum by definition. So therefore, that would be an irrelevant, it's already mission accomplished type thing. If God wasn't in the game to, to want to maximize love, none of this would exist. Because as I look at and just try to understand this, you wouldn't need consciousness. So therefore, there would be no point for for, for any form of free will or anything. And we, we'd essentially be either non-existent or or you know something else that's unfanable, I guess is the, is the way to describe it. And, and I love how you answered that. It was that in making love the, the ultimate goal, in a sense, it also leads yourself to a vulnerability in a way that that couldn't ever be truly understood in saying that I know I have absolutely everything. And the one thing that's most important to me, I'm going to leave to control of other people, to control of other things. And, you know, that's uh, from a risks perspective. You know, if if I'm coaching a company here or looking at one of myself, you know, we would never build a great product and then just put it out in the middle of the streets. You know, we'd we'd have it in a warehouse. We'd have a, a structure around it. And not leave it just solely to the, we hope people will do the right thing and not steal it from us and take advantage of us. Um, you know, from a human perspective, it's it's illogical. I think it's the appropriate word for that. But it, it's, it's the way in which we are treated. And looking at that, to me, it seems like a lot of things, a great opportunity being one of them, but how how can I be worthy enough to, to have that kind of power or ability? I, I don't even know what the right phraseology is there. It seems so overwhelming to me. But that, that's the other question I have with it based upon the answer you just gave, which is the only answer that makes sense, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, well, it's the, it's the right conclusion to draw. You are worth it. And and so is every one of our listeners. Your your uh, God is willing to take all of that on because our love is worth it, and our free response to His love, our uh, our transformation and growth and holiness, and uh, those things are worth it to Him. And and that's a really beautiful takeaway to really try to uh, take that to heart that He would do that for us and. And at the same time, you know, um, I, gosh, I just, I, I meet with so many people for spiritual direction. So I, I get to see inside of uh, hearts and hear the questions and concerns and, and people who don't feel like that. Even when I say it, they can logically affirm it, but what makes them feel like it, you know, and, and uh, that's where human relationships often come in that somebody has made me feel really worthwhile, has made me feel really valuable. And and that could be someone like you, Joe, and uh, the kind of work that you do. You know, it's like people expect justice in the realm of human affairs. And so for you to treat people fairly is what's kind of expected. For you to go beyond that and say, hey, you know, uh, I can sell you this house or I can show you this place or I can set you up with this renovation or whatever. And, uh, you know, and that's fair and it might be fine for you. But I just get a sense from you, from your needs, things that you have going on. This might actually be more helpful. It's not as helpful for me. It doesn't make as much money. It doesn't whatever. 
but I think it'd be more helpful for you. And then, and then somebody would feel in that context, wow, he, he actually is maximizing love over his own profit, right? And so mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a little share in what God does, maximizes love over profit. Now, again, in human affairs, the baseline is justice. So it's not that you're obligated to do that. And, and you shouldn't feel ashamed if you're not doing that. You should feel ashamed if you're not, you know, at least establishing justice. If you're cheating people, that's a different story. But the expectation is fairness. And that's a kind of neutral context. But in that neutral context, when we're able to make gestures of charity, then we make God's love tangible. And that happens precisely through sacrificing another good. You know, a, a prophet is a good. There's nothing wrong with that by any means. Um, but to sacrifice that good for the sake of the service of the person, building up the person, empowering the person, et cetera, to make them feel loved. And so into that context are these little gestures of love that we start to incarnate God more and more. And and that happens, you know, I mean, there are um, companies I know that just make a, a principle out of like, uh, listen, we're going to hire people and we're just going to share everything with them. You know, you get access to all of the stuff that's going on in the company because we want to make a presumption of trust and we want to empower freedom. Now, if you abuse that freedom, then there are consequences from that. But we want to mm-hmm. start with that place of trust. And when we put trust in people, it's amazing how it changes a dynamic because we're really creating more divine atmospheres when we do that. <clears throat> and I would say for a person who's not a Christian to do that kind of thing is almost a little bit irrational, you could say, because Christians know we have a guarantee. Our guarantee is if the worst thing happens and we get totally sold down the river, betrayed, and and we suffer, then we're even more united to Christ. So the the worst thing that happens is, you know, martyrdom, basically, and all of its kind of elaborated forms. And then we know that we're still united with Christ. Now, we don't want to be foolhardy about that. But the point is, when I step in in goodwill, good faith, and I trust somebody and I create a more divine atmosphere, and I help people be in a place that they could have a little taste of God's love through this human medium, and um, I, can, I can take that risk, founded on Christ. And that's how Jesus, in taking, his, taking the first step to restore things in his incarnation, suffering, death, and resurrection, he set a revolution in process that each of us can be a participant in, a revolution of love, that we're going to take the risk, that we're going to do the crazy thing of keep looking for ways and, and making it happen that we maximize love and we play that out. And, and again, I do that because I've discovered and I believe that I'm worth it. And then I'm going to make steps to show and help other people to feel that they're worth it. And then I'm going to connect them back to, to the divine source of that, uh, not connect them to me, although I'm the medium, I'm the communicator of that love in, in my, whatever my setting is. And, and this is the way that it, it spreads throughout the world. And we start to, to transform all of these structures into not maximizing profits, but maximizing love, not maximizing orderliness, but maximizing love, not maximizing comfort and security, but maximizing love. And valuing all of those other goods, not diminishing them, not uh, not spurring them, uh, but also valuing them, but valuing love in an even higher way. And Father, unless I'm mistaken, I think you just described the phrase of the Our Father, earth as is on heaven. 
Um, <laughs> and, and, and that's how, how we're called Good to connection. do that here. And I think of that in conjunction with the other thing is that Jesus called us to love each other as much as he has loved us. And to kind of put this in perspective, it, it seems to be something that you can certainly try. I mean, as you mentioned, there's people who basically punt that they just say, I'm, I'm not going to engage in this and just leave me alone. And there's certainly people out there that do that. Um, But for those that, that make the attempt and put the effort in, you know, everything you just described there is, is an attempt to bring love into the world. And, And it, by default, well, maybe not even by default, maybe I'm taking something for assumption there, but it will create a better place. It, it's proven time and time again when it works, when you trust in people and you allow love and justice to spur, great things happen. And when you look at places in the world where great things don't happen, one of those two variables, oftentimes both, both are missing. And when you look at this and say, we have the capability to do something that from every logical standpoint, we should not have the ability or the authority to do, which is to make a difference to God. And the method to do this essentially is, is to be loving, to be good, to do everything that you just outlined there. And whether it be from the perspective of a business owner, as you outlined there, or just as, regular everyday outside the employment world am i treating people well you know am i nice to these people am i intentionally trying to be a problem am i intentionally just trying to get attention or am i actually trying to go out live my life in a successful way where not only am i helping myself but i'm helping those around me uh, because there is an element in all of this that says that, you know like the airplane if you don't put your air mask on yourself you can't help anyone else and in this context, it's, are you fair to yourself? Do you, are you open to accepting love? Because if you're not open to accept love, how can you ever transmit it back to someone else? And really practicing that skill and asking that question is, to me, I guess, the starting point of all of this. How am I open to receiving love? And what does that look like to me? And how can I do that? Maybe better, maybe tweak it, but how can I do that myself? And then how can I do it for them, my children, and then teach them how to do it, move on to next generation, next generation for infinity. And I guess that's one of the, the great challenges the church experiences continuously. But I think that that is something that you just explained very well there, Father. And I appreciate you answering the question. It was, it was fantastic. Um, I don't want to cut you off here on the episode, but there's any extra thoughts you have as we conclude, conclude this space. Thanks, Joe. Well, once again, I I don't think it's ever something that I put together with quite that, uh, I don't know, clarity, but that really comes from your question. You know, it's uh, it's the fun part of this podcast is you uh, you you bring a perspective, which I think is very close to our our listeners. And uh, and you give me a chance to explain some things in a way that maybe I haven't been able to approach them before. But yeah, you're you're exactly right, and I really you said something uh, really important just now that I want to uh, emphasize. The first step is actually to let ourselves be loved. Uh, the first step is actually to receive that love, and uh, that's you know that happens in a variety of ways. 
uh, starting with perhaps right in this episode, you heard, uh, and you said it, Joe, you know, you're worth it. You're, you're worth God's love. You're worth him entering into all the mess. He, you're that important to him. And maybe that's the, the thing that comes through. Maybe it's, you know, we've experienced love in different ways, but just to, to actually sit in that a little bit, take a little bit of silence and, and uh, think about that, feel it, let it sink in. But that's, uh, that's really the starting point. It's sometimes we, uh, we put so much emphasis on doing that uh, there's a certain you know, group of people who have felt their whole lives like they needed to earn love, they needed to prove themselves, they needed to measure up and, and never felt like they quite did that in part because they were so busy doing it. And, uh, and so just stopping and, and taking stock of really the gift of your life, the way that God loves you, all that he's done for you, the ways that you've received love and to reflect on that and, and uh, just, just sit in that a bit and, and savor it. And then it's from that perspective that we go forth and, and just say, well, how can I maximize love for somebody in my life now, you know, in the next five minutes, in the next hour, maybe send a text message, send a word of encouragement, just go a little out of your way um, beyond what's necessary, what's expected, what's just, what's fair, just a, a little gesture of, uh, uh, of generosity and kindness, encouragement. That's, uh, that's what pushes the revolution forward that Christ began in his incarnation and, and consummated on the cross. And, and for everyone out there listening, then it might feel a little jolt of fear, like, like, it's scary because because that certainly can happen. I haven't talked to them in forever. Like something bad can happen. The reality is is that attempting to make love is is always worth it. Um, and if it wasn't worth it, you wouldn't have the feelings of of scared. It, it's a sign that you're probably going to be doing the right thing. Um, and I think that that's something to recognize. That if you're coming from the standpoint of trying to make a difference and do the right thing, it will be scary from time to time. And with that being said, as Father said, I'm trying to ask questions that that go through my life. But if you have a question out there for us that you'd like us to, to bring up on an episode, please reach out to us at fatherandjoe at gmail.com, and we'll be glad to, to talk about it. So we hope you guys are having a great week, and we'll be with you again next week.